0: Welcome back to the pew, everybody. I am your host, John Edwards, and here to the left of me, as always, is my co-host and cohort, Victor Adams. Yeah, John, um, you know,
1: I have a tendency to go to the bookstore, yeah. St. Paul's Bookstore. By the way, if anyone needs help finding a book, a bookstore, a spiritual book, you can go ahead and call St. Paul's Bookstore here in Memphis. Right? Yeah, they've got a they got uh, a website online. A huge, and stuff. Yeah, huge uh, plethora of books. So, anyways, <laughs> I, I found people. I found this one's cr- Christian spirituality and Catholic tradition. Jordan Allman, um, so I've been kind of devouring this book, uh-huh. uh, and uh, it's got amazing information. But the thing is, on top of that, is I realize there's still so much stuff I don't know. And that's <laughs> you know? exciting because it means I can buy more books. Well, I yeah. think
0: that's the way we're all going to be in this life. I mean, it's it's the Catholic Church. I remember as a as a convert, when it, well, I say as a convert, when I got out of jail, I should say, yeah. and my life got, you know, I realized I needed to be a better man it was like somebody, and I started diving into the faith, it was like somebody kicked open the doors of Fort Knox. I was like, oh my gosh, and seven years later, I mean I've read countless books now, and it's it's just like there's... It's a treasure. Yeah, you're never going to run out. I mean, you could spend years just reading the Father, so it's a, our faith's a gift, man, and and, and there's so many different things. Uh, If you're not taking advantage of of all the spiritual readings and books and things like that we have out there, uh, you need to dive into it, you know. The Bible is first and foremost, of course, and catechism second mm-hmm. to that but man there's so many great authors and writers out there i mean like i've been talking about the last couple of weeks of fulfillment of all desires i've been reading with ralph martin and that's just a gift and dr bob shoots books and oh there's just so much out there so we should that's a great reminder to always yeah. just you know remember that we never know enough you know that we've our, our faith is always that call to obedience to to learn more to live more and to follow christ so Oddly enough, we're going to be talking about obedience today. I I apologize for uh, my voice sounding a little bit funny. I um, had a cigar last night at the fish fry and breathed in hours of peanut oil too. That never helps. But um, then this morning, I've got my I've still got it on my kids' school shirt. You know, shout out to Holy Rosary here in Memphis and the Rams. Uh, the twin towers of Allison and Caitlin yeah. uh, brought to help their team get to victory today, and so I was screaming as a. As a father, it's one reason I can't coach because I'd never be able to give a mission because I can't mm-hmm. stop from yelling at, do this, do that, you know, and, and and so that's why my voice is a little scratchy this morning, but we're going to make it through it. Got some bottles of water here and I'll suck them down like I've had five pounds of beef jerky this morning. So, <laughs> But anyway, before we jump into the show, uh, I want to give a shout out to Dean and his daughter, Anna. Uh, you know, Victor, I was telling you this, I met Anna at SEEK, uh, she's a wonderful young lady. She works with FOCUS and she came up and said my dad's a big fan of the show and so we took a picture together and and uh she bought a t-shirt one of our new ones and a rosary i think for her dad and and um she just was sharing with me about how much her dad has enjoyed the show and so dean thank you for listening thank you for watching thanks for being a supporter dean Yeah, yeah thanks for just allowing it to to be part of your spiritual growth and and uh part of your journey she wrote me an email and just said uh you know, not to make Dean feel weird, but she's like, my dad wears that shirt like every day. He loves it. And so I was so glad that she picked out something for him or for you, Dean, that you liked. And again, like Anna, she's just a sweet girl. She's been asking me to come to their summer projects at Focus. And so maybe that'll happen. But thank you both. Uh, Anna, you wrote a wonderful email that really, uh, it seems like the Lord likes to give us hugs whenever we need them. And that certainly was one of those moments. So thank you for sharing just, you know, what your dad has meant to you and what the show has meant to him. And uh, thank you for giving us that that yeah. bit of affirmation. And, and, we always and appreciate please, those things.
1: Please feel free to write to us.
0: Yeah, yeah. send so us email anytime. Yeah, anybody who wants to send something in, we love to hear what you think about the show. If there's something out there we're not talking about, you'd love to be you know to hear talked about. Please let us know. We'd love to to do that. You can send an email to just a guy on the pew at gmail I get all those. I'll look through them and we'll figure out what you want or or you know what you know if if it's things of. You sharing what the show's meant to you, we'll certainly share those on here too, and thank you for those ahead of time. So again, thank you to Dean and especially to Anna for taking the time to to uh, send us that stuff. Uh, we do have a few spots left in the pilgrimage to the Holy Land, so if you uh, are have been considering that, if you're on the fence, you got a few spots left, but they're filling up quick. I know two more people signed up yesterday. I think we've got close to, I don't know, 70-something people going now, so um, if you want to go come with us. It's it's rapidly approaching. My heart is just getting more full as we get closer to the day. I'm excited to be with my good friend, Father Larry, and to walk with so many people that are so excited to go to the Holy Land and be in the footsteps of Christ. So please join us. You can do that by going to justagainthepew.com, going to the events and book me page. Right there in the middle, you'll see uh, the pilgrimage. Click on that. It'll take you to select travel or amazing travel partners, and they can get you all fixed up and registered and answer any questions you have. Jane's are our uh, travel um, assistant, so you can call Select Travel and ask for her as well too and tell her you want to go on John's trip or Father Larry's trip uh, and then get you assisted there. Um, men's groups, our calendar is filling up. Uh, we are now partnered with the Catholic Men's Leadership Alliance, so thank you to Dan and Chris and Robert Tunmire and all those guys out there and all the regional leaders uh, like Alan Murray and all these other guys that we've been working with. We were filling up the calendar with diocesan events, with regional events, with follow-ups to men's conferences, uh, but also these parishes, uh, missions that we're doing all throughout the country. Uh, We just got back from Conway, Arkansas. We just got back from a huge men's follow-up to their conference in Phoenix that went amazingly. Um, We're going uh, this coming week to um, Oregon City, Oregon, out there to, to do a parish mission, so the Lord is filling up our calendar with opportunities and we want to help you. So if you're a guy out there that is feeling called to be part of a men's group and you have nothing in your parish, which is more often than not the case, then give us a call. Give us a ring. Go to our website. Go to the book me page. Send us an email. So we can get on the schedule with you and we can help bring vibrant, life-changing men's ministry to your parish or to your area. If you are you know, work for a diocese and you want to see men's ministry in your in your diocese, do the same thing. Get on there. Fill out the Book Me form or click through uh, to the Events of Book Me page. Go to our uh, men's portion of that page. Click through there and it'll tell you all about what we're doing and you could set up a call with me. Whatever you want to do or however you want to get through to us, you can email me at just to get on the pew at gmail.com too. Take the steps and join us. If you're one of these guys out here who has wanted a group, then maybe God's calling you to start that group. If it is, call me. We'll see if it's a good fit. If you're the right guy or if you know other guys who, uh, who can help you start a group, and we will help you get it started. The Lord has just been blessing abundantly this ministry with these opportunities. It's bringing great joy in our life and allowing us to go and live in the in the mission that God has called us to live in, which is to bring men back to the church. So thank you for those opportunities, for the Catholic Men's Leadership Alliance, all those folks out there. A lot of you guys right now, you're coming off of amazing men's conferences. You're probably some of the guys that put them on, or maybe you're you know right on the doorstep of your men's conference because we're right here in Lent. I'm just asking you to consider bringing me in to be a speaker next year because it's not just – a talk I'm going to give. Yes, we can give great presentations, but it's about what's next. What's going to happen after this day? You know, we don't want to just shoot guys up the Jesus roller coaster and then leave them to their problems and their sins on their own Monday. We need to build places where men can go to have community and live together in authentic friendship, and more importantly, an authentic relationship with Jesus. And we can't do that if we don't build processes after men's conferences. So if you want not only... Uh, my, me to come in and give powerful talks to your men's conference and, and to your event give breakout sessions we can also help you plan and work with your area long after that conference to build men's ministry in your parishes so if you haven't considered us before consider us for your conferences in 2024 again you can go to uh or go to pew at gmail.com send me an email and fill out the form on our website and we will be happy to come and be with you so also, one last shout out. Thank you to Spoke Street Media for continuing to share our reels on Instagram, for putting our podcast out there. They're really helping us uh, grab more listeners, get the message out there. So thanks to Kyle and everybody there. And again, thanks to Dan Donaldson and Catholic Men's Leadership Alliance for everything you're doing to help us get out here in front of more men. So, Vic, with all of that, and to all you people that listen to that every week, thank you. It was a little bit longer than I meant to, but there was a lot to say this week. Especially wanted to get that shout out to Dean and Anna. Gotcha. But Vic, man, I, I want to jump into the theme for today and what we're going to be talking about. You know, last week, um, you know, our show was on detachment. Or not last week. Last week was the one that was with Bill Donahue. It was mm-hmm. awesome to have him in. He's a great friend. And I think we he did a phenomenal show just talking about smuggling theology. It's a it's a great theme. And talked a lot of, about a lot of movies I know that you enjoy too. So I think you're going to, If you haven't yet, Victor, you'll enjoy listening to that, but the week previous to that, the first week of Lent, we came out uh, actually the day before Ash Wednesday with the episode on detachment, and we talked about just how detachment leads us to freedom, Mm -hmm. and during that episode and on some of the reels that Lucy cut and put out there, I had said freedom comes at a price, and that there's a cost to the spiritual freedom that we long for, and you know, as I thought about that, and there was, and a lot of people were commenting about, man, I really love what you said there. And can you speak more to that? I'm looking for freedom in my life from vices or uh, addictions or just other things that are keeping me enslaved in my life, especially on the theme of what are we giving up for Lent, right? And, and finding that true freedom we're looking for. So a lot of people commented on that, and and I, so I started praying with it all week and thinking about it, and even Father Gallagher's homily on the first Sunday of 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 Lent. He spoke of about obedience. And I kept just going back to obedience and thinking, you know, freedom starts with that detachment that we spoke about, but it's got to be followed by obedience. You know, you, you can't stay detached from things without obedience. Once you make that that stand, take that stand, if you will, during Lent, mm-hmm. that I'm not going to do this. I'm, I'm going to focus on getting this out of my life, detaching from this. Then you've got to be obedient to that, right? You've got to be true to that. And if that was really God's will in your life saying, you know, John, Vic, whoever's listening, like, I want this removed from your life during this Lenten season for the rest of your life, then you have to say, yes, Lord, and then be obedient to that the rest of your life. So, like so many other people in Scripture, Moses and Mary and and, and Samuel and all these other people that, that said, here I am, Lord, and became obedient, that's how their life changed. So you can't stay detached without that obedience. Um, but, Victor, I, I think what we've got to center on this episode is the problem with that is that we think obedience means enslavement. When we hear that, so many of us think that it leads to shackles and chains and that it means the loss of our freedom and of our independence. And I think this is where so many of us struggle with the obedience is because it's like, well, if I'm obedient, then I have to, I'm serving a master, which is true, but that master in a lot of our minds is a slave driver, right? Like I no longer have my choices and my will and my life is no more joyful are no longer joyful, if it ever was in the first place, I'm going to lose all of my choices, all of my freedoms, and I'm going to be basically shackled to following somebody and being a slave. Right.
1: Well, and, you know, what, the word obedience, you know, and again, I was looking up a, a scripture because something mm-hmm. came to mind. So when you were talking, uh, I think the camera caught me. So there's one that's you know okay. No worries. So, but, um, but, you know, for the word obedience, it does sometimes ring in our mind as especially being in, 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 um, Nation of democracy, it's yeah. like almost a little negative tone to it. Um, but but the, what we're talking about obedience, you know, we're obedience to laws and everything else. We follow. We're a citizen of a country. You follow laws, right? You're obedient to the laws. And the same thing, Christ wants you to be obedient, but more so obedient in your heart. Yeah. He's transform yourself to meet Him. You know, and um, the scripture I was thinking about, and you can help me out with is when sure. when member when uh, Jesus was kind of teaching, saying. If someone sues you for your tunic, give him your cloak also. Mm-hmm. Or if someone forces you to go a to mile, go two miles. So, the on re- before I went into like my seminary, you know, education, I was like, w- why? Why do you talk about one mile? What's what's? How can someone force someone into one mile? Well, we forget during the occupation, you know, of Israel was the Romans. Sure. So the Romans were pretty much they could, they, they had governing rules, but yet they can still be uh manipulative in in whoever they wanted to be you know sure. they can still be oppressive to everyone so so in the jewish people they are always kind of like always very cautious of being around at roman because yes you had some right but then they can always be punitive and st- overstep that to be you know abusive physically abusive sure, you know yeah. hit him so so that thing about walking a mile is that there was a law passed within the roman territory that if a soldier was walking, he can grab anyone from the side of the road and says, carry my stuff for a mile. And so it was a rule that only for a mile they could do that. So what Jesus was saying, like, you know, kind of says, kill him kindness. Instead of going one mile, go another mile. So when the shoulder's going, uh, hey, give me my stuff back, he's like, no, man, I'm I'm going to go another mile. And then all the soldiers start looking at that soldier and having this guy carrying, you know, an extra mile, you know, in a way there's not humiliation, but it's kind of like saying that you have the power over his stuff now. You know what I'm saying?
0: Sure. Well, what you're looking at there, what you're saying, you're getting at is it's by that obedience that people see something in that person, right? Like, this person's not fearful, he's not afraid, he's not fighting me on it. You know, they, they learn from the example of that obedience. And and that's the thing, like, that's the kind of mindset we have to change with our obedience is that we have to move away from this idea of enslavement. Like that by doing what God wants and calling us, you know, following his will, that, that we're just going to be these mindless zombies that have no say in anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have free will, we have choice, but you know, God's not sitting there like a parent that we might've had that saying, do as I say and not as I do mm-hmm. like the life that, that God is calling us to his own son lived it. Right. Right. So he's not saying like, don't do anything I'm not willing to do. Like I'm going to go over here and just do as I please, but you do what I say. He's not saying that he's actually exemplified this in Christ's life. But again, the devil tries to convince us that disobedience means enslavement. And, and, you know, we go back to the beginning of that, you know, that if you look at it and and I want to read from Genesis three here, You know, this is the fall of man is what Uh this is called. So I'll just start reading it and go through and tell you the point I was going to make. But it says, now the serpent was more subtle than any other wild creature that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God say what you shall not eat of any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate and she also gave some of it to her husband and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were open. They knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves apron, aprons. So, all right. We know what happens. Mm -hmm. God says, don't do this. I'm giving you a rule. I'm expecting you to obey it. The devil shows up, and what does he do? He questions that rule. You will not die. He questions who God is, basically calls God a liar, and convinces them that in disobedience, they would find freedom. Right? If you just do what you want, you're going to be free. You'll be like him. You'll be smart. You'll know all the answers to everything. Right? You'll be wise. You won't have to serve anyone. Right? You'll have your freedom. But the thing is, Victor, that, that what they found instead of that, that, that freedom was in that disobedience, they found enslavement to sin and death. Because in that disobedience, sin and death entered into the world. Everything mm-hmm. was perfect until they made the decision to not obey. And they thought, because they were convinced by the devil, the, 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 the accuser of our brothers, the, the, the father of lies, that, hey, by choosing to do what you want instead of what he wants, you'll find the freedom you're looking for, the one that he's trying to keep from you, right? God is trying to, trying to hide all this from you. He doesn't want you to have all these good things. If God was really good, he'd let you have that. Why does he let you have all this other stuff but not that one thing? And this is what he continues to do to us in our life each and every day, to each and every one of us. But it was through that disobedience that we actually became enslaved. We didn't find that freedom that he was sitting there trying to lie and promise mm-hmm. to Adam and Eve that they would find if they bit into that apple.
1: Well, it's like like the, what I was talking about earlier about soldiers. Like it's like giving more of yourself. You know, even though in repressive s- situations, you know, you still God is your you know in control of your heart, right? Yeah. I mean, that the obedience to the heart, even though this body may be oppressed by other things outside, you know, you are always trying to strive. To, to live the, the life that God has set for you, to be obedient in it, wherever situation you are, but more so
0: to Him, sure. and, and
1: not be controlled by the outside circumstances of your life.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, and certainly Adam and Eve at mm-hmm. that point allowed outside circumstances yeah. to break into that relationship between them and God. I mean, that's, that's the thing. And so, you know, we find the same thing in our lives whenever we choose, uh, you know, our will over God's is that we think, well, if I just do what I want, then I'm going to be happy, right? I'll, I'll get what I want. I don't have all these these kind of constricting rules and regulations. I, I you know, I have freedom. I don't have to feel guilty about mm-hmm. things because the only time I feel guilty is when I'm looking at rules and laws or regulations that are or commandments, if you will, that have been given to me, and if I break them, then I feel guilty. So if I just choose not to have commandments in my life, then I won't feel that way. But what happens is, when we choose to walk away from what God has asked of us, we wind up becoming enslaved to all these other things that draw us into places that aren't good for us. Our addictions, our vices, you know, our struggles. We become chained to those things that we don't experience that true freedom that God wants for us. And you know, thank goodness for, for Jesus saying, I love you too much to allow that to continue to be the way that you're going to go about this life. Mm-hmm. Right? So the second Adam in Jesus got it right. You know, Jesus' obedience to his Father's will is what set us free. And, you know, our, our guy here, St. Paul, the patron saint of our ministry, you know, he says in Romans five nineteen, for just as by the one man's disobedience, talking about Adam, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. So what is he talking about here, Victor? I mean, he's talking about Jesus' yes, right to the father that I'm going to go and I'm going to live everything that you asked me to live. So why did Jesus always go off to mountains to pray by himself? Why did he always pull himself away? Why was he always seeking God's will? Because he was obedient because he said, I'm going to do everything. And in favor, you know, in, in, in favor of that and and to back that up, One of my, or two of my favorite verses in the Bible are John 14, 30, and 31. If you've been to a mission, you've heard me talk about this. If you've listened to the show, you've heard me mention it. But this is when Jesus says, I will no longer speak much with you. He's talking to the apostles. For the ruler of the world is coming. He has no power over me, but the world must know that I love the Father and that I do just as the Father has commanded me. So as Paul's saying, Adam was disobedient and everyone now and since has been sinners and fallen into sin. But because of that man's disobedience, there has been another who was sent. And one man's obedience, Jesus' obedience, because of it, the many will be made righteous. So we have to look at how do we want to be righteous? How do we want to experience this true freedom? The same way that Jesus Christ experienced it, by following his Father's will to the T. Even on that, on that on, you know, in the Garden of Gethsemane, which means wine press, Right. Even on that rock of agony as he was sweating out tears of blood because his fear, you know, they say that, that there can be so much so much trauma in a person's physical trauma in their life and worry and fear and anxiety that, you know, that our sweat glands are surrounded by capillaries that will bust. And there's a it's actually called a, there's a there's a, a, a medical term for it. But in in rare situations when somebody is so stricken with fear that their capillaries will actually bust and they will sweat blood. That's what happened to Jesus. But even in that moment when he knew everything that was going to happen to him, every whip, every beard pull, every punch, every, you know, thorn that was going to go through his head, every rip of his flesh through the whip. And we're going to experience all this alongside of him in Lent here in a few weeks as we journey towards his passion. But even then he was obedient. Let this cup pass from me, but your will be done. Your bill will be done. And yes, while he had to go through periods of suffering and loss and torture for our sake, in the end, there was joy. There was freedom. When that stone was rolled away, not only was Jesus risen anew, but it gives each and every one of us an opportunity to be resurrected in our own life, to live a resurrected life. And we. the only way that's found is through obedience, first through his and then through our continued obedience.
1: Well, you know, and I, get, I know we talk about obedience as like the the focus of what the show is, and the thing is, um, I'm not always obedient. Sure, I, I know that. You know, there's there's days where I struggle, especially with Lent when you're trying to focus on being better. Like that means like when you're working with people in the office who are are hard to, difficult to deal with. Yeah, you know, um, changing your behavior is kind of like trying to assess like, okay, what can I do to change the situation? Sure, what can I even those this. Dealing with this person is stressful and anxiousness. Uh, what can I do in the season of Lent to change this? Um, and guess what I found? I found that, a, that they like chocolate. So what I would do <laughs> is i give them a handful of chocolate and say, hey, I know it's been a tough day. Here's here's something to get you through. And it's, put a smile on their face. Now, that's a small thing, but those are the things we need to kind of to find out is that what can we do to bring some peace to someone's life that may be difficult for us? Sure, Not to change the dynamic, but also to let them know that, hey, you know, we're all here together, trying to do the same thing, and I think that's what we're doing collectively as as uh, as a people of faith. Is that Lynn is here to for us to all come together to to try to figure out what can I do better for not only my neighbor but for the people that I love, you know, and and also for the person who created me.
0: Well, and that's that's the thing. I mean, Jesus, you know, gave us two commandments when he was yeah. here on earth. He said, "Love the Lord your God, and and love your neighbor." And so what you're talking about is being obedient to those two commandments, you know, that he left was, was yes, honor all of the 10 commandments, but Mm -hmm. these are the most important things. Love your God and love your neighbor. And, you know, Jesus talks multiple times in the scriptures about, um, obedience leading to what's actually going to set us free. And so I've got a couple verses here too. You know, he says in Luke nine, 23, 24, then he said to all of them, if any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. But in those who lose their life for my sake will find it. So what is he saying there? I mean, Victor, he's basically saying, if any of you want to follow me, which we all do if we want to get to heaven, right? If we want to be saints, we have to follow Christ. So what he's saying is for those who want to save their life, will lose it. So how do you, if you're trying to save your life by yourself, a.k.a. living by your rules, being obedient to yourself as your own God and not me, then you're going to lose your life, your life. By the way that you save your life is by giving it up for what I want from you, right? By being obedient, that's the only way that you're actually going to be with me forever in heaven is denying yourself, laying down your own wants and desires and following mine. And, and the thing is, Victor, that, that I think that is, makes us so scared of that is we think by laying down our own desires, we won't get what we truly want. But the fact is, when we lay down our own things, we realize those aren't the things we ever wanted in the first place. We bought into the lies the world, the flesh, and the devil told Mm -hmm. us would make happy, and they never do. That's why they're never enough. But when we lay down those things, it gives us a break in our obedience to step away from them to see, wow, those things were not giving me freedom. They were robbing me of that freedom. They were enslaving me. And now that my eyes are open, the scales have fallen off. Just like when Jesus you know, healed the blind man, the scales fell off his eyes. I now see what true freedom looks like. And that's by following. As a friend of Christ, I no longer call you slaves because I've told you what my fa- everything my father has told me. I call you friends, he says in another part of the gospel, that as a friend of Christ in his in obedience to him, we see that true freedom comes in following him because he's leading us away from all this other junk that we don't need in our life. And so that's what Jesus is telling us in that verse. He also goes on to say um, in John 14, 23, Jesus answered him, those who love me will keep my word and my father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. A lot of times the home of our heart we're taking up all the room with all our junk with all our wounds with all our baggage with all the things we think are going to make us happy jesus wants us to obey him to get rid and repent and and get away of these with these other things basically throw them out the window of our hearts so we can open up the door of our hearts and him and his fathers he says here can come and make their home in our hearts he can redo that floor plan of our hearts and then live there with us and so this is, this is the thing. Obedience doesn't enslave us. Obedient, obedience takes us to freedom. It keeps us in the freedom that Jesus Christ paid for us with his own life, right? He paid for our freedom by his own very blood. So that obedience is what keeps us in that freedom that he paid for. And if you don't believe it, we can look at biblical examples. I, I love this quote from from St. Jose Maria Escriva. I mean, he's one of my favorite Saints out there, he's got great quotes. If you haven't ever read him, just go and read him. But he says, the power of obedience. And that's what an exclamation point. So it's almost, he's joyful. He says, mm-hmm. the power of obedience. The lake of Genesareth had denied its fish to Peter's nets a whole night in vain. Then obedient, he lowered his net again to the water and they caught a huge number of fish. And he's got that in quotes because that's what it says in the gospel. Believe me, the miracle is repeated each day. So let's think about that, Victor. Peter's been sitting there probably for days, weeks, fishing every day, going out there. He's frustrated. Every depiction of this you see in The Chosen or any other biblical movie, Jesus is walking up and Peter's throwing his nets down. and He's basically cussing under his breath or something. It looks like he's just super angry. He's been out all night with no results again and again and again. And then all of a sudden, Jesus gets in the boat. He said, I want to go on your boat. Nope. Go out there and let the nets down. We haven't caught anything. I've been fishing all night, right? We see this depiction over and over again. And he looks at him. He's like, just do what I ask. Mm-hmm. They go out there. He throws his nets out. See, I told you, no fish. What does he do? Jesus says, put it on the other side of the boat. And when he, when he, when he puts down his frustration and his stubbornness and he drops the nets where Jesus told him to, they catch more fish than he could ever possibly have imagined. They almost sink the boat. This is just such a great example for our own lives. When we find ourselves frustrated, when we find ourselves giving up, when we find out, feel ourselves going, there is no hope for me. Most of the time it's because we're not living obedient to Christ. We're living obedient to ourselves, and we're at our wits end because everything we're doing isn't working. But Peter shows us in that moment that when he surrendered and he listened to Jesus, Everything changed in his life because it wasn't just, okay, now I have all this fish to sell and I can pay my bills and, 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 and now I'm going to have more money I've had in a long time. Jesus, ju- I mean, Peter jumped off that boat and hit his knees and said, Get away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. And Jesus looked at him and said, Follow me. Peter's whole life changed in that moment of obedience. And even though we know he falls and he, he gets in Jesus' face a couple times and says, You don't have to die, and he makes mistakes like we all do. He lived an obedient life and one that led to joy, even though he was crucified upside down. And all those things, he went to his death loving Jesus Christ and sits as the first pope and the keys and, and holds the keys to the kingdom of heaven because he chose to be obedient and walk away from being obedient to the own God he had made in his life himself and chose Jesus over that. We see the same thing with Matthew. We see the same thing with our guy, St. Paul, right? Where Though he suffered so many afflictions in his following of Christ he he had a life that he always wanted and led so many others, including you and I, to Jesus Christ, and that's only done through obedience. Right. Well, obedience is a dynamic change of the heart, and like you were saying earlier about
1: like cleaning the heart out, so so God in His and Jesus can dwell in it. I, I thought of like how we all are like hoarders yeah. of our own personal trauma or sorrows or just things we've done in the past that we haven't been able to forgive ourselves or just like. What we're 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 so consumed over that puts uh, the barrier in a way for God to really be effective in our life, and it's like we have to like purge everything that we think that was important to us at one time. You yeah. know, I mean, I'm I'm saying that you know there there's things that are fine, like support your local team, that's fine. But I'm saying, but not get the point where you're you are more concerned about that than following Christ. Yeah, and and that's the whole the purgation of the heart is what we try to do here on earth. And if we don't do it successfully here on earth, there's another chance because God's love is so great for us. But obedience, like you said, is the key to peace, is the key to joy, is the key to living a life that just brings an abundant sense of like just pure intense um, desire to do good yeah. and to help everyone around you. And, and the, the thing is, it's, it sounds simple, but it's not easy.
0: Well, you're exactly right. It's not easy at all. And, and the thing is, I mean, like you're talking about with, 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 you know, repentance and all those things you were just mentioning a second ago and getting rid of the things in your heart. That's why we have the sacrament of reconciliation. Right. You know, I mean, it says in scriptures, confess your sins to one another. In obedience to that, and by going to regular confession, we experience the mercy of God poured out through that confessional. And guess what? You find joy and freedom. You know when you continue to go into that confessional and you, which is this is a perfect you know segue because we're in Lent and, and it's a time of penance, right? And 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 uh, and, and repentance, right? Right? It, you're going in there, you come out of that confessional, and you find that joy and that freedom you've been looking for if you truly you know agree to amend your life. And so that's what Jesus is always trying to give us through obedience: is this joy and this freedom to see like real freedom for the scales to fall off our eyes, as we said. And, and if you don't believe it, then, I mean, think of anyone you know who's living an obedient life to God and, and tell me their life isn't better. Right. <laughs> tell me their life isn't better. I know mine is. Now, I'm not always obedient. I'm disobedient, and I have to fight against that each and every day. We all have to. But, Victor, when I'm living in the way that I know God is calling me to, everything is better. It's only in the times when I go, no, I'm going to pull against the bridle, right? I'm going, to, I'm going to snap my neck and try to go this way when I wind up hurting myself, when I wind up distancing myself, when I wind up feeling isolated and alone and desolated. But when we, when we give in to that, the yoke that Christ wants us to take on alongside him, right? A yoke has two places for two oxen. When we, uh, when we surrender in obedience to that yoke, then we're walking in the pathway that we're supposed to be in and we're finding that peace and that joy and that our burdens aren't as heavy and then it's much lighter and easier to live in this life because we're living the way that he's called us to in obedience. Now, to your point a minute ago, it doesn't mean it's going to be easier. There's still suffering just as Jesus had to suffer, right? The second Adam had to go to the cross mm-hmm. to suffer greatly for us in obedience to the Father. We're going to have to suffer as part of our obedience. Right? There's no, whatever Jesus did, we're going to have to do. And if you don't believe that as a Christian, you got to get that out of your head because we're not going to get to be on easy street because Jesus did all the hard work. There is suffering in our life as Christians. As long as there's evil in this world, we're going to be called to suffer. But that suffering and obedience is exactly what clears out these roadblocks in our life and gives us the open pathway to following Jesus and to be with the father forever. So it all starts with his obedience. And so, Victor, you know, here we are at the end of the show. We've gone over a little bit longer than I wanted to, but it's a, it's a good topic. And that's my fault, too. No, sorry. it isn't. It's not your <laughs> fault. It's, it's the Holy Spirit's fault because he's yeah. given us these ideas to keep talking yeah. about. So just blame him, but don't be angry because you don't want him <laughs> mad at right, you, right? That's right. But let's talk a little bit about how to start living obediently. So I, I wrote some things down here. One, we need to fall in love with Jesus, Period. And, and, and this is such a great quote I saved for this line right here. We need to fall in love with Jesus. And St. Ignatius says the very thing. It is hard not to obey when we love the one we obey. If we don't love somebody, we don't give a flip about what they say, right? I don't care what that person says. What are they? I don't care anything about them. Why should I care what they say? But when you love someone, you want to obey because you love them. Just like children, we obey our parents because we love them. We may not always agree with it. We may not always like it. We may not want to clean our room and all the other stuff, but we do it because we love them. Not for the fear of punishment so much as out of love, loving obedience. So the only way we're going to be able to obediently follow Jesus and, and God the Father is by loving them. So how do we do that? We place God's uh, priorities at the top of our list of priorities. We place his will at the top. Again, to know his will means you have to spend time with him in prayer, Victor, which will help you to fall in love with him. If we're not spending the time, if we're not seeking that encounter with Christ and our Father in heaven through prayer, through the sacraments, through the liturgy, through these all the things we have in the Catholic Church, then we're never going to fall in love with him. If we never fall in love with him, then his priorities aren't going to matter to us. So we're not going to give a flip about being obedient. So we need to fall in love with him, and we do that by placing his will at the top of our will and at the top of our priorities. We have to start denying ourselves. Right, we have to start making the choices that are in line with God's will. Quit prioritizing our own life, but choose his, his priorities. St. Bernard says, he who is his own master is a scholar under a fool. <laughs> I love that quote. If you're doing your own will, you're a fool. Mm-hmm. Because all it's going to do is take you away from God, and it's going to keep you from being forever with him in heaven. And you're going to spend eternity in hell wondering why you weren't more obedient. Um, four, we have to accept the bad along with the good. Suffering's a part of life. It's also the part that forges us. It helps us grow in virtue and it makes us stronger, Victor, as you well know. Five, we have to put our foot down against the temptations of the devil and start choosing the better part. We know that he has tricks and snares lying everywhere for us. So we have to put on our night vision, if you will, and start looking for those places in front of our foot, in front of our, foots, in front of our feet each and every day. So we don't step into those traps and we don't fall like Adam and Eve did to this lie that disobedience will bring us freedom. We realize, no, only by following God's will in my life will I find the freedom, the joy I'm looking for. Six, pray every day for God to to reveal his will to us just for that day, right? Don't say, God, let me follow your real will for the rest of your life. It's okay to say that, but we need to take it one day at a time. Lord, help me to take the goggles off today and look for your will in my life all day today and let me stay on it. And when I fall off of it, you send something to to push me right back on course, right? To, to pull that bridle back so that I'm not looking at the flowers and running into a tree. I'm looking at the path you forged ahead of me. And then go and, and do your best to live it. You know, seven, find someone to walk with you in your journey towards living obedient to the Father's will. We can't do it alone. We can't, Victor. You know that well. You and I have walked together for years. We pull each other back on the path when we each other get off of it. And you need that. It's hard to be obedient when you're doing it by yourself. So, men, this is why you need a group of men. This is why you need a men's group. This is why you need brothers to do life with. So other people can call you out when you're being disobedient and call you back to that obedience, which is the pathway to true freedom. So finally, guys, remember this. We don't earn God's love through our obedience. We don't earn His love. His love is a free gift. We come to a true understanding of that love through His grace which pours out in our choice to be obedient to Him. We have free will. You can go the other way and you wind up somewhere you don't want to be. But in our free will choice, our obedience is exactly what gives us that way to freedom through His grace that's poured out through that obedience to Him. So, Victor, guys are struggling with this. I know, guys... Spend time this week and this Lent figuring out how you could be more obedient to the Father. Stop looking at it like you're putting on you know, shackles and an orange jumpsuit and look at it as the obedience is the key to getting out of that prison cell of your vices, your your addictions, and everything that you're struggling with because God asks you to be obedient the way His Son was so that you can come to know Him, do what He asked, and find that joy and freedom in your life. So, Victor, let's take it to prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, in the depths of our souls, we long for true freedom that leads to joy. Freedom from our prison cells that are made up of our sins, our vices, our addictions, and our selfish choices. Help us to realize that the only way we can ever experience that joyful freedom we seek is to surrender our will completely to yours. And Father, whenever we find ourselves lost on the journey to obediently following your desires, remind us that all we need to do is to look at the example set by your Son, Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Thanks for listening to Just a Guy in the Pew. To find out more about John Edwards or have him come to speak to your parish, group, or conference, go to justaguyinthepew.com or send us an email
1: at justaguyinthepew at gmail.com.